So, um, hi. Hey. Hey. So I know that we have, I believe we have three new releases in, I'm assuming, in common. I'm cracking <laughs> a cold one now. I forgot about the country. <laughs> oh, you, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get that one out of the way quickly, yeah. I would imagine. Uh, did you ever go back for the ending? I did. Okay. I, I couldn't bring myself to pay good attention to it. It was so right. boring. No, it was, it was really bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I have the two, so I have three, three new releases and then I have two streaming titles that I tacked mm-hmm. on and mentioned to you, but we can catch up with those anytime. Uh, did you happen to catch the Clovich killer? I did. I sure uh, did, did you happen to catch Riders of justice? No, that I didn't do. Okay. We'll kick that one down the street. I think that was very interesting. Um, so yeah. All right. So then that's four things to talk about. Great. Shall we make short work of the conjuring? Yeah, well, I mean, you said it. It's us. it's boring. You've actually seen the other ones. I have not seen a Conjuring before. I'm familiar with it. I know about Annabelle and all the the stuff. And the Nun is in there too, right? They right. did like spinoffs. Like, I love yes, the original Conjuring's and the Annabelles. I really enjoy those movies. I find them to be usually interesting. So we've got this couple um, played by Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga. And they've got this sixth sense and a deep kind of Christian faith in the seventies and eighties, I guess it's set in. And then these evil forces harass and hassle people. So they go around and they, they do their work trying to free people. And they did that again. I mean, I don't, I don't know how to say what I think was wrong with this one. It was Mm -hmm. so boring that this boy is harassed by this, ancient spirit of a woman or something and then the spirit goes into the brother and then it makes that you know, the devil made me do it the brother commits a terrible murder but no one will believe and they get involved with this horrible ghost and they uh ultimately survive but is any of that a surprise i was so right. bored i had to turn it off and then i made yeah. myself go back to it and i still couldn't yeah. get interested and I love this franchise. Hmm. So it's probably unfortunate that I came into it at, at, at this stage yes. because to me, it's just boring nonsense on top of which. So this is, I am slightly familiar with the actual uh, source material of the actual people, the Warrens, you know, Ed and Lorraine Warren, who went around exorcising and really did argue in court that demons could motivate people to commit crimes. and. It's just so interesting to see this is yet another movie, the basic horror movie, the basic premise of which is Catholicism is true and really, really good. Um, uh, The real Ed and Lorraine had a real grifty vibe to them. They were kind of like televangelists. They weren't on television, but they had that vibe about them. And are they proper Catholics? This is that Hollywood confusion that the forces of, evil yeah i don't know if they were equated with catholicism rather you know rather than it being its antithesis right because they're always bringing in a priest to do catholicy things to get rid of the demons and communicate with the demons but yeah i do i don't know they might have just been evangelicals or fundamentalists i don't know actually what their their stripes were i mean the thing is according to the series they they're legit they right that's yeah the movie they, portrayal of them is they're impossibly virtuous. They're right yes. about everything. They're the nicest people. They only have good intentions. 
And then they just are just I have this burden of being the people who can see the demons everywhere. I mean, maybe I should have just gone and seen it in the theater. It would have changed right. everything. I mean, if Patrick Wilson had right. welcomed me back, yes, welcome maybe, back to the movies, Dan maybe by name. It would have. I mean, they could. I would. Have, I would have been the only one there. <laughs> then maybe I could have started off in a better light. Right. I thought it was in bad taste to use the real audio of the exorcism over the end credits. I don't know. That felt icky to me. Exploitative. I, I mean, it's been a long time. Yeah, they over the like they have those initial credits where there's graphics and there's you know going through the important credits mm-hmm. before they get to the scroll, and they play the actual exorcism from the beginning of the movie of the little boy, and you hear the mother and the son exchanging you know the demon hissing at her. Oh boy, you think that's real? You think that's real? Uh, as a phenomenon or as a re- specific yeah. recording? I don't know. I th- I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I guess that was from the real files of the Warrens, but okay. I mean, it's it's a big thing, right? I, short answer, no. Big answer, I mean, there are spirit. I think spiritual things and psychological things are twirled up together and yeah, whatever. But I just, I don't know. I've been around too many people who want it so bad and then like get what they want, but it just right. seems like you could get similar phenomena and other cultural contexts that they wouldn't consider legitimate. So what's mm-hmm. the? I don't know. Anyway. And that's way deeper than this movie goes. It's just dumb horror movie stuff. Wait, a waste no, of great leads. Yeah, but. Me no like. So, boom, that's that. People know what The Conjuring is. This is, I guess, p- pretty universally considered the, the worst one. And boom. Uh, all right. Well, I don't know. Should I enthuse or should we <laughs> Should we take another little? I, all right. I didn't hate Cruella, but I have very, very mixed feelings. I ultimately enjoyed Cruella a lot just because of the stars mm-hmm. and the look. And I think that so much was going on. I feel like maybe they had more than one movie in the screenplay. Yeah. Um, especially some of the childhood stuff I, I think could have been dispensed with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then a question that I have is, are people really wondering about Cruella's origin story? Right. And if anybody was, they, this is my big beef is that they didn't get one that's compatible with anything that any, if they, if you go into this liking Cruella, well, tough, here's a totally different <laughs> right. character. I, I sort of thought exactly, this could have just been a completely different movie that is, that turns out is just riding the coattails of a recognizable character in right. in the catalog, because it didn't need to be about Cruella. This individual could have been anyone. Right. So here's what I, I like, and it's I think I'm we're on the same page. I like that they hired interesting filmmakers. I like uh-huh. that they cast really interesting people. I like the look. I like the boldness. I got a little sick of the needle drops, and I was a little confused what decade we were in from scene to scene. But it's fun. The fashion and the vibe, that stuff is all good. I like that they did that. I like that it was a risk-taking kind of bold take. Uh and that, I guess I ran out of praise right there because then I go to my butt. I just, yeah, what is it in service of? Because Cruella DeVille is a nasty, rich sot who is mean to her henchmen and wants coats made out of dogs. And this movie gives you Cruella DeVille 
who repents of being mean to her henchmen because they're her family and then promises she'll never hurt a dog. So at the final moment of the movie, spoiler, when she turns to the camera and says, oh, I've got some ideas. What are those ideas? Because you don't, they're not the ones of Cruella DeVille. Well, I, is it supposed to be like wicked, like the retelling from the from the I villain's guess. standpoint for like not a redemption, but like explaining how legend and lore led everyone to think she was like this, but really this was how she was. Yeah, and they even set the template with um, Maleficent with the the Angelina Jolie mm-hmm. live action thing, where again you get a different take on it, and she's you know, sympathetic. So that's just a template that's been set, and they're doing. I get it, they're doing it, but it doesn't. I mean, she literally is not cruel. She only hurts people that deserve it. I kind of like not cruel. <laughs> no, I, I I liked though how she just sort of changed personalities <laughs> mid film. Yeah. I like the superhero contrivance where oh, mm-hmm. this person who you work with every day right. puts on a mask and then they're unrecognizable to you, like not yeah. just once but every time. I I love the fabulousness and the camp of the nonsense between the two actresses because right. they, I mean Emma Thompson and Emma Stone. What 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 gets? for these roles like they just sink their teeth into it the clothes are fabulous the settings are great um when i think of something like uh suicide squad or Mm -hmm. something about harley Quinn, i think that story was very boring even though it was played well by margot robbie i I feel Mm -hmm. like this is a more compelling and delicious story to spend some time with than that i agree that it's it's only what oh, the the least bit related to the franchise mm-hmm. that it's a part of. Um, but then it wouldn't have been made had it not right. been because it would have been so random. Right, right. I, I mean, can you imagine how random? Mm-hmm. So <laughs> did I enjoy my time in the theater? Absolutely. I, I thought this movie was great. It was cheeky and fun. It went a little too long for my taste and it, it was, I can't help but, I have a you know bone to pick with these franchisee Disney live action things anyway, but I have to admit this is certainly the most interesting one that there's been. Right, I'll take interest and uh, having filmmakers who who had a great point of view and were mm-hmm. a little bit daring. I thought it was good. At the beginning, there was a strange throwaway um, where they're, they're urchins, they're young children, and then the narration is like, "Well, here we are, ten years later," and it's like, ten years mm-hmm. later." You're all mm-hmm. like in your mid thirties, right? Ten, right, ten, right, ten right. years later, ten years what a day. what a decade, right? Uh, all parts really interestingly cast, though. Yeah. I loved the uh, Horace and Jasper; those are interesting mm-hmm. actors, and um, Mark Strong is in there. There's just a lot of interesting people. It's been long enough now that I'm struggling to recall. But oh, and and having Anita and Roger in there, who are you know the the Dalmatian right. owners in the original, but having them. I'm a little confused because Anita is named Anita Darling when she is a child. But in the in 101 Dalmatians, she is named Anita because she marries Roger Darling, right. who is just Roger in this movie. So I don't know what they're doing. I don't know if they're setting up a new franchise, but that will all be interesting to track, I guess. Yeah, and I don't uh, know the... I mean, I know I've seen 101 Dalmatians, you know, way back in the day, but mm-hmm. I don't remember the story well enough to know Cruella's relationship to them. 
Yeah, she seen it's very obviously it's a Disney, it's a short 70 minute animated thing and Cruella probably has four minutes of screen time five maybe mm-hmm. i don't know i'm maybe i'm totally making that up she might, might be more but it's just you know there's not a lot of deep characterization i think she knows anita from school so i think that actually okay. is so that's a connection legit yeah but i don't know if it's supposed to be university or what but you know they they obviously took that in a direction and and so yeah the only reason she's in the family's life is because anita has an existing relationship with her and she's coming for those pups yeah, well, I did, I wasn't aware of that until I was reading up on it afterwards. That mm. that was kind of a little wink to the to the original universe. Yeah, yeah. So it ain't bad. It's weird, and a lot of it is good weird. So. What else do I have to do with my time? I because <laughs> I think to myself, eh, if they gave me the screenplay, would I edit it down? I probably would. I would mm. probably dispense with some of the childhood sequences. I don't think we had to see them be, you know, be thieves and be like the cast of Oliver. Yeah. I I didn't know that we needed that. That wasn't germane, but who cares? Right. I wasn't, I wasn't asked to make this movie. There could have been a movie about her coming into her persona of Cruella and then another movie about her taking on the Baroness. But I think that first one might've just been too much of this stuff that with the kids and stuff that nobody really cares about. No, the stuff with the Baroness is the main thing. Yeah. Yeah. A weird thing that Disney's doing, but not that it, I know that a Star Wars analogy will be lost on you, but this is like the last Jedi of, of these live action remakes. It's the weird one that takes the biggest swing and is divisive and weirdos like it and weirdos should have things to like, I guess. Yeah, this was a movie that if it were on or I saw it streaming, I, I might click watch again. I mm-hmm. I thought it was I thought it was fun. Uh, all right. Well, should we talk? I mean, I guess let's talk Clove Hitch. So right. I recommended this one. <laughs> yeah. Um, because it's an odd thing. And it's mostly the the performance by Dylan McDermott that is the reason to watch mm-hmm. this movie. It is, it is a 2018 movie, so it's been knocking around. It's directed by Duncan Skiles. And the uh, letterbox uh, pitch says, A picture-perfect family is torn apart after Tyler finds a cache of disturbing images in his father's possession. He begins to suspect that the man he trusts most in the world may be responsible for the murder of 13 women 10 years prior. That's. I think I would have been a little more vague in that description if I had written yeah. it. Uh, but that's that's essentially what's going on. We got uh, Dylan McDermott in a very just one of those you know aging star who isn't maybe as young and hot as he once was. I no no offense to Mister McDermott, he's doing great, but he's taking a swing at a genre movie and playing a you know a, a, a kooky character. Uh, in an unrecognizable kind of getup, and he's a scoutmaster and a deacon in church or whatever he is, and he is uh, a good dad, and he's a pillar of the community, and his teenage son begins to suspect that he is also the clove hitch killer, so-called, because he would leave his signature not the clove hitch as a calling card at all of his uh, all of the sites of his crimes. And then uh, basically the son, who is played by Charlie Plummer, I believe is his name, and Samantha Mathis, who is a girl who, no, I might be absolutely, no, that's the mom, sorry. 
See, Letterbox is really bad at uh, the cast list. It's just you're names. Looking, you... You're looking for Madison Beatty. Madison Beatty. There she is. She is. What's the character's name? They don't even give you a character name. Uh, why can't I? I'm going IMDb. I'm sorry, everybody. They. Uh, she is a girl who has kind of like a bad reputation and uh rumors flying around and you don't talk to her and she's a no good girl but she's also fascinated with clovefish so he ends up striking up a friendship with her and together they uh explore okay whatever they you know that's it so i dan i felt like this was kind of two movies going on at the same time one to me felt like kind of a ya serial killer movie about a kid who starts to suspect his dad is a killer and then he talks to the girl from the wrong side of the tracks and they become unlikely friends and then he deals with the emotions and everything and then the other side is just whatever is going on with dylan mcdermott and then his portrayal of this killer which uh becomes quite uh extensive by the end of the movie and i i found this fascinating i don't know that i loved it i don't think that it all works i think that it's um (laughs) I don't. I didn't really need all the details we got into his process late in the film. I think that might might have been better. We already kind of knew what he was up to. Uh, I just thought he was doing interesting work. I don't know. I wanted your take. I don't know that I have a, a, a completely solidified take. I liked some of what was going on, and I felt like the stuff with the kids was okay. Yeah, you seemed really into this. <laughs> <laughs> he brought it up a few times. Um, so no, I did watch this. And I did not dislike it. I felt like it was procedural. I felt like it it was a little Lifetime Mm -hmm. Um, Mm movie-ish. Because it's not really trying to be BTK, right? It's it's a little inspired by it, but otherwise it doesn't have the details Mm -hmm. of it. Um, Dylan McDermott, so I was a fan of his back to his practice days, right? In the late Mm -hmm. late, uh, 90s. Yeah, early 2000s, I suppose. He is 60 years old. Oh, my. That, that's what he looks like when he's 60 wow. years old. You know, so we should um, we should all aspire to, to have Doth that kind caps, of... Yes. I know. It's amazing. And I, and I do think that his performance is good in a pretty impossible Ned Flanders-y role. Yeah, yeah. I think that Charlie Plummer is good opposite him. I, I found myself reacting really negatively to the family and the community. And mm. even though I am well familiar with that kind of a world, now so removed from it, I'm incredulous somehow mm-hmm. that anyone could be like that. Like everyone's so controlling. There, there's no personal power given to anybody. Like, you know, he's lying to his mom about what he plans to do, but she was just like, well, afternoons only, evening or family time. Mm-hmm. You know, and everyone just seems like so hostile. Yeah. And, and why would we want to be a family together? Because every, ugh. I just, right. I just hated right. that yucky feeling. Everything was wrong. Anything that you might enjoy, it's bad. Yeah. Um. That the uh the male friend who I mm-hmm. guess was supposed to be a closet or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. He was so annoying. And I and I get that there are people kind of like that, but they're not like that. Mm-hmm. You know. Say same same with the young woman who who he who um what's the what's the kid's name Tyler met with mm-hmm. in the beginning. P- people just aren't like that. It, yeah. There wasn't an ounce of truth in those characters. And then you've got this girl, Cassie. Oh, she is in town, but she's not like the rest of us. And oh, she just hangs out all the time and she's got a secret. What? The whole county doesn't know her secret? This, right. this is a major 
this is a major crime spree here. Okay. Anyway, right. they have memorial. They have memorials of right. the Clove Hitch killers. Yeah, crimes. Right. Every they year, know. you don't know this. Yeah. So all of that aside, I think that it was suspenseful. It it kept my interest. I think the performances were good. Ultimately, I could not go with the characters' choices because yeah. sometimes in a thriller like this, the person is right on the edge, and you can still give your loved one the benefit of the doubt. But here he has clear evidence of his father's crimes. There, there isn't a question left. Right. And yet he does not go to the police with this. And rather mm. making it about the internal conflict about whether or not he should tell on his dad, it becomes about, oh, well, maybe he didn't do it. Mm. And, and he's stuck. And then the leadership camp plot hole, mm-hmm. he, the dad needed to be alone in order to begin acting out again. Going to leadership camp doesn't change that. It's only a device of the plot that the mother and the daughter get sent away too. Right. You know, so what was he planning? Yeah. What was the kid planning? So he goes with his girlfriend, they Nancy drew it, and they wait for him to attack a woman and to imprison her and torture her in her home. You don't call the police. Right. You, you right. don't you don't help her. You go with your own rifle. Right. You're right. crazy. Yeah. Why wouldn't you have called the cops long before any of this? <laughs> Turned in that box of driver's licenses mm-hmm. long before. Let them do the forensics and the detective work. Let them get to the bottom of whether it was your dad or your uncle. Let them do that work. But So this is a real Blue Lives Matter uh, thing for you. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, only, only in that way. I'm saying like... This no, is what it. this is what the this is what the cops should be up to. These are the crimes right, they right. should be they should <laughs> right. be solving. The uh, the FBI should be called into this. This is sure, wild. Yeah. I don't love that the movie doubles back either. I didn't like that uh, device of cutting. You know, he comes in with the rifle and then it goes back and show. It didn't need to spend so much time showing us everything that they did. You kind of get it, right? You don't need that much in a movie that's not really full of handholding for the most part. That was a, a weird amount of it. Right. So then there's the ending, which I guess, you know, I don't know. Skip a couple 30 seconds if you don't want to know the ending. But the, the character's decision at the ending, what did you think about that? I had trouble with that. I mean, like, is, I get what the movie's saying, but I didn't like it. Yeah. Th- this is where I get stuck between um, fantasy and reality. And if this were a procedural that sought to tell us a real life true story, and then you you can have Mm -hmm. nothing to say about the plot at that point, because this is what transpired. But since this is a work of fiction, then I'm like, why? Mm -hmm. Why? Right. Who's being spared what? Right. Why, Why did you do it this way? That makes no sense. And like, what revelation did the wife receive that she's, you know, crying in the pastor's office? Nothing had happened. He was just missing as far as they knew. Yeah. And was the indication that even she comes out of it, not knowing like she's in heavy denial about something. Yes. But the fact that he can then go in front of everybody and be like, I love you, dad. Like, so his mom is clueless or did she ask him to do that? That's what I don't quite get. Why? Oh, I think that his mom was clueless. And I think to myself, why did this need to happen this way? I, I, I feel like, had you simply called in the authorities, justice could have been served. Why are you suddenly a child vigilante? What happened? Right. And he, it's not like his dad was 
the mayor who saved everybody from poverty or like he didn't have some legendary he's just a nice guy from town and the kind of person frankly people are constantly finding out is really a secret killer would it not be better for the town to have the catharsis of knowing as uncomfortable as the information is who did these things right and that they're now apprehended yeah yeah we don't need to worry about this further like i do like the movies it's not it's not like a it's not a overly simplistic like oh boy scout leaders and church people are secretly killers like it's a little oh, more no. it's about how how evil hides in plain sight and how the kind of banality of small town life you know is kind of the perfect place for it to hide out and i dig that but i don't get the ending in in light of that whole thing yeah it's interesting that you say that because i didn't even approach the material that way at all hmm. i'm 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 agreeing with your point like Mm-hmm. So, so, so focused were they not on the Christian and scout leader aspect as being like a motivator or a, or the, yeah. the, the soil in which this kind of thing grows. They're not two sides of the same coin. And this is really what right. you, toxic. And you know, there, there might be things to say about that, but right. they would be heavy handed. And that's not what this movie's it's doing. Not, a, not in this movie. That's just the natural slots that he fits into as a, you know, a white man who's halfway competent and responsible mm-hmm. of course he's going to be a scout leader a coach or whatever things he does you know um i i'd like that i liked the portrayal even though i agree with you that it's incredibly uneasy and there was some of it that was a little familiar to me about the the, the vibe in the town and the church and everything oh, yeah, that i sure. found distasteful but i it was also familiar so that church basement know. scene yeah, yeah, that was actually yeah. filled in a, in a real church basement. You can't do that on mm-hmm. a Hollywood lot, right? You can't make that. You can't make that brick with that severe white with yes. the weird wood trim. It does not exist. Mm-hmm. And another of- thing, this movie gets right is the absolute cringe of any kind of a candid talk mm-hmm. with Christian Dad when yeah. they're in the garage and they talk about mm-hmm. sex. Oh God, <laughs> I mean, it's hilarious and uncomfortable, and yeah. Oh, so well, I, that. All that really yeah. is true. Yeah. yeah. So I think this one's worth seeing if you like genre movies and serial killer movies and you want to see a weird take on it and an interesting performance, but it's mm-hmm. not a great movie. It's fine. Did, I mean, it, did it get a wide release? I don't even see any I don't know, n- yeah. numbers here. I, yeah, I don't know. I think doesn't it was have any, doesn't have any Sundance box movie or something, but for some reason I associate it with Sundance, but I might be mistaken about that. Yeah, no, maybe it was uh, Writers of Justice that was at Sundance. Yeah. Hmm. Curiouser and curiouser. Well, I guess it's time to talk about my favorite one. Okay. In the uh, Heights, do you want me to introduce it? You have the history with it, so sure. All right. Yeah, so In the Heights, I'll tell you my history about it first. I actually saw the reviews from the 2007 off-Broadway production and thought, oh, I should go see this because they were just stellar. Hmm. And so we went and I was blown away by it at the time because now everybody knows who Lin-Manuel is and they know his style and he's created a masterwork that I think, you know, In the Heights will always live in the shadow of, of course. Mm -hmm. But at the time, just that fusion of rap and Latin rhythm and um, musical theater sensibility, like it wasn't just the 
the pop and Latin scene trying to break onto Broadway, like this, this person really cared about usual um, musical theater writing. Um, at the time, I thought that the plot was pretty thin and that it was over long. Like even if you took out a third of the songs, you've got a distinguished score remaining. And that year was pretty weak at the Tonys. And so in the Heights, mm -hmm. you know, easily won best musical and for score, et cetera. Um, but it was a great time, right? Yeah. Um, now revisiting the material in this film version, I think, first off, I think that the film transcends the source material by quite a bit. I think the cast is a dream. I think the settings and the cinematic vision for it make it mm -hmm. fascinating um, and really heighten it. I see new stuff now, and I still don't get it because I can't mm -hmm. get it, but the idea of what it is to have an, you know, a multi-layered identity in America and wanting to be with your people, but also um, not to be held back by the way your people have been held back by whiteness um, and wanting to be true to that and not feel like you're betraying um, yourself or others simply by being a success. Um, I think that's something that I can't, totally understand but it's a real thing that that this story is trying to trying to pull together past and future mm -hmm. in the present so anyway in the heights 2021 american musical drama film based on the stage musical of the same name it's directed by john q chu sorry mm -hmm. and of course uh music and lyrics by lin-manuel miranda who incidentally makes a cameo playing himself as a sociopathic <laughs> piragua <laughs> yeah. dealer, right? And fun, fun, yeah. fun little, um, fun little um, Easter egg for the fans um, going up against Chris Jackson, yeah, George Washington as, as, yeah. as Mr. Softy, <laughs> and uh, Jackson was the original Benny and in the Heights too. I looked that up. Um, yes, yeah. So they are, so they are old pals mm -hmm. that have turned in how many performances together, and I thought That's that was kind fun. of fun. Yeah. yeah. Um. Because who else was he gonna play? He he, right. he thought he he thought he was too old to play Usnavi. Oh, you mm -hmm. did like <laughs> right. yeah. twenty five years too old. Yeah, right. I'm glad I'm glad they made that decision. They didn't do the same for Dear Heaven Hansen. I can't. Oh my God, can you imagine mm -hmm. when we review that one? No, no. Yeah, yikes! <laughs> oh boy. Yikes! So this stars um, Anthony Ramos as Usnavi. He was great. I th I thought yeah. he was real and winsome, and he sang the role well. I liked him a lot. Um, so, okay. So anyway, this is like a slice of life, a couple days and then a season in Washington Heights. You've got Usnavi who runs a bodega along with his cousin, Sonny, um, their friends, the Rosarios own a cab company. Their daughter, Nina is coming back from college. You have, you meet, um, folks from the local salon, Daphne, Ruben, Vega. I mean, <laughs> Mimi, right. Mm -hmm. From back in the day. And she yeah. has like, I mean, she's aged a bit, you know, aged at an appropriate level, but she does not seem old at all. She seems youthful and so full of life. I loved seeing her. You've got Jimmy Smits as um, Kevin Rosario. Um, Olga Merides reprising her Broadway turn as Abuela Claudia. Wonderful. And I remember thinking at the time that she is too young for this part because mm -hmm. she was like 50 and well made up, right? Mm -hmm. But now she's the age to play it, and it's all the better. 
And I feel like this is a real tribute to when someone has put in 3000 performances of the role right. that they, that they know it perfectly. Um, what about her number that, that whole sequence in the subway? Yeah. I thought that was just a stunner. I, yeah. I, I loved that whole sequence. Climax of the whole thing sort of for me anyway. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And they made some great changes from the stage script. They cut it down. They got rid of some of the songs and they simplified the story and they clarified some of the characters' dilemmas, which I appreciated. But there are two major events. One is um, Claudia's death and the other is the reveal of the about the lottery ticket. Mm-hmm. And they switch those events in the film version. And I think mm. that that is better and it adds to the drama mm-hmm. because the end of her song, I thought was moving in one direction and instead it was moving in an entirely other one um, in a way that I thought was really meaningful. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I loved that change. So um, nice work screenwriter. Um, so yeah. in the original, what is the, what is the difference with her number? What is it moving towards? Her and deciding then, to give the money to Usnavi? Well, it's revealed at the end that she holds the ticket. I see. Like audience gasp. Yeah. Right? Right. Um, and here, like I think it's better as a uh, like a swan song. Right. For life. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Because and she doesn't die till act two, like much mm-hmm. later, like well after the blackout, you know, mm-hmm. all this stuff. And so you think you're watching this that she's deciding does she want to stay here or does she want to return to Dominican Republic with Usnavi like mm-hmm. one direction or the other and you come to realize that this is her final moment and she's deciding to live or die in this moment mm-hmm. um and to me that had a lot that but pulled a lot better punch and and made her character a lot more emotionally resonant i like that a lot um and i liked the they, they created this uh, storytelling device of Usnavi telling his story on the shore with these kids. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's not on the musical, um, but it comes to, to mean something later on. Um, they expanded the story uh, for Sonny to talk about dreamers. And when I saw the trailer for this, I was really not happy. I thought, Oh gosh, you like turning, mm-hmm. making this about something it was never about. Um, and I don't think they did. I, I think that, having it now set in 2020 or whenever it was meant to be set, you couldn't get, get away without bringing up something Mm -hmm. about that. And he was a character who didn't have much going on and it made sense. And I liked that you got to learn a little bit about every character along the way. Um, Cause you're just learning about who's who in this, in this neighborhood. Yeah. So you've got um, Leslie Grace playing Nina and uh, I haven't mentioned uh, Melissa Barrera as Vanessa Usnavi's love interest that he has how many artificial conflicts with, right. like they, they just seem to live to just upset right. each other and then get and back suddenly in the middle of a number that's not related to their relationship. They'll start fighting right. in the middle right. of the exactly. uh, 96,000 exactly. song. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And like, here's like a funny thing when in 2007, the blackout happens when they're in the club, right? Mm-hmm. And so suddenly it's just like sound down, theater black, and you just see like these little lights coming from the back of the stage. And you realize that it's people like finding their way out with their phones. Mm. And in 2007, 
that was like a huge laugh. It was like mm-hmm. a big sight gag <laughs> of like, oh, people are using their phones as flashlights, right. you know, that, that yeah. now would have, well, of course, <laughs> if you're, what else were you going to do right. if, if you're stuck in a, stuck in a dark hole? That's interesting. That's funny. Who else um, can, can we mention here? Uh, uh, Jimmy Corey, Smits. Yeah, Jimmy Smits plays uh, Nina's dad, Corey Hawkins, as Benny. Boy, does he know how to ruin a dinner. Mm-hmm. I, I, I thought yeah. that that was maybe like a, a little writing mistake because I felt that would never happen like quite like that. Yeah, and they never they kind of avoid ever dealing with the fallout of it either. It's all kind of off screen. Right. But... um. Yeah, uh, Stephanie Beatriz, Desha Polanco, as the Salon Girls. Stephanie Beatriz from Brooklyn Nine-Nine in a very uh, mm-hmm. interesting turn. They have Noah kind Katala. of ambiguously queer. Yeah. With the, the two women in the salon. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it says Mark Anthony was in it. I know I heard his voice over the end credits. I don't remember seeing him in the film. I believe that he is Usnavi's father, who oh, may so only, ap- okay. may only yeah. appear in photographs. Right. That makes or sense. May- maybe there was a flashback sequence that yeah. I'm not really remembering. Right. But I, I felt like like this made me feel nostalgic for that season of life. It made me nostalgic mm-hmm. for Manhattan. I... I thought it was so imaginative. Like the stage show takes place on one set, that one block, and it, mm-hmm. you just got a lot of uh, really high energy, youthful dancers who are backing up every song. It's so, similar to the the Hamilton vibe, really. But here we took it out of that. We opened it up and we found cool locations for the songs to take place. Like those fabric swaths over the building or in the pool or mm-hmm. in that alley, just like um, Nina and Benny's duet is so boring. It's like the time to go mm-hmm. take a break out in the lobby. Right. But here, but now they're like dancing sideways on a building, Spider-Man style. Like visually, the whole thing was so appealing. Mm-hmm. And for the critique about not having um, black Lat- Latinx actors, mm-hmm. which is a fair observation, I think that on the whole, the background players they look way more real than you ever get in a movie mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. all ages and body types and it seemed like this really cool neighborhood you understood why it meant so much to the characters to live there to to like really hear the music of mm-hmm. what the block is like nina kept going back to that multiple yeah, times yeah. of trying to figure out who she is and chasing that um image of her younger self i thought was really compelling yeah, I think that worked great. These were all innovations for the film. Mm-hmm. You know, this wasn't, it's not in, this, not in the stage show. Yeah. And, and I just feel like it really heightened it in, in a great way. So coming to this, from my perspective, with just a passing familiarity, knowing that this was a show before Hamilton that LMM wrote, but not knowing it. Um, just seeing it as a film, I thought that the trailer was exciting and looked really colorful and energetic, and I was looking forward to it. I watched it on HBO Max just so that I could see it right away when it dropped. Mm-hmm. And I liked it so much that I went and saw it in AMC the following week. So um, I love it. I mean, I, I, to go see an exciting, colorful, fun 
movie musical and like it so much that I download the soundtrack, right. which I'll say something about in a minute, actually, or a point to make about that. But um, it was so much fun. It's so needed. It, it felt like such a fun thing to do with the movies. It is incredibly low stakes and right. thin on story. Is this guy going to go to Dominican Republic? Will this girl go back to college? Like, it's very, very. But I, li- I like that because it feels, you know, these are like they feel like authentic stories. They feel like things that people would worry about in that neighborhood. And yes. uh, Anthony Ramos is great. I agree. I, I think that all those four leads are very well cast. Um, Benny and Nina are kind of just impossibly beautiful humans and right. like, hard to relate with, but they're just, they're great. Everybody's good at performing and singing and Olga Meredith is amazing. I loved it. I guess. Um, yeah, I didn't, here, here's my here. I guess by way of a critique, I downloaded the soundtrack as I said, and listening to this as a soundtrack or a score album uh, is very telling to how much it needs to be a film. Yes, <laughs> because there's like a handful of great songs. I love "Breathe" and the mm-hmm. uh, the the opening number. There's great numbers, but there there's a whole lot of filler, like the club and uh, the blackout sequence are not interesting to listen to. No. as like musical numbers <laughs> they're just kind of there people say you know saying almost just literally saying what is happening so but in the film they're so vibrant and creative and exciting and interesting and so i think john chu was an excellent choice i think that the adaptation again i don't know the source the way you do but it feels like it was like so many good decisions were made and they um, made they made usnavi's decision more deliberate because in the show he mm-hmm. gets that money right and just decides that he's leaving the next day and that's just it Hmm. and here they set up this whole idea that his dad had a shop he's in touch with this lawyer he's thinking about it he decides to put it in an offer he's got it you know like this it's like unfolding for him and then he gets to the point where he decides that he's leaving rather than Mm -hmm. being this split second random um petulant decision yeah, and, and so we we related to it more, and then they gave the lawyer something more to do since we had this deal with uh, Sonny's immigration status. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think, as far as I I agree that I love that they tackled the dreamer stuff. I think that has a, it belongs there. I did think the scene at the protest where he kind of it felt a little cheesy after school, especially to me, of him going and right. sitting on the bench, and Nina comes over. What's the matter? Oh, that's only undocumented. And he looks at her like right. I felt like that was a little bit cheesy. But again, I totally like that they went there, uh, and and they have to do a lot in a, in you know precious amount of screen time. But um, no, I, I don't have. I have very few complaints. I had a, such a great time with it, and I haven't like had so much fun. Uh, with a movie in a while. Oh, yeah. And the time just flew by. I liked it so much. And like that, pro- I think a protest is so hard to to put on film. It mm-hmm. reminds me of the um, Jenner debacle with Pepsi where oh, yeah, yeah. she's leading a protest. <laughs> and like you look at the signs and they're just like, mm-hmm. join the conversation. <laughs> right, right. Love. <laughs> because no one right. really knows what the protest is about. Hashtag issues. Right, exactly. And so, (laughs) like, how far can you go into that? Because these are serious issues, and the people who have uh, serious and provocative statements to make about them, you can't bring into stories like this because it becomes, it it just 
it undermines the story mm-hmm. you're trying to tell. Was it Nina's sign that said, we are Claudia's dream? Maybe. Because that makes sense. If anybody else is holding that, then it's like, okay, so this is the smallest world right. possible. They also gave Vanessa more to do because we knew that she was a fashion designer, but that doesn't play into anything in the musical. Mm-hmm. Um, the The big climax, the big reveal is that Pete's made like a a tribute mural to Claudia. That's mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. you know, kind of convinces Usnavi to stay. And Vanessa, I don't care if you've got cash. How are you paying thirty five hundred dollar a month rent right. Right. from your job at the salon? Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah, I don't. It's it's a very hard thing. I mean, except that it lends itself to obvious visual flourishes. Having someone want to be a design fashion designer is well. There's two movies, I guess, this week that that uh, dealt with this. But um, that felt a little sweaty and forced to me, that aspect of it. But it does, it sounds like it gives her more to do than she had in the uh, in the previous version. So Yeah, and, and Vanessa is Lin-Manuel's wife. This mm. is clearly his projection of the, mm-hmm. the girl that he just had to have. But based on their relationship in the show, they should not be married. They should not have a child mm-hmm. together. <laughs> they, they, mm-hmm. they not, they're not ready. Um, they, they, they get into constant misunderstandings. And right, oh, right. and they're not even together, and yet they treat each other like, like they're right. like lovers' quarrels. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, this seems like a one of a kind thing. Like the filmmaker and the moment and the material sitting there. Like it feels like this was a real lightning in a bottle kind of a uh, a production. And um, yeah, I think some people are being mean to it because it's because it Cause is it's so real, airy. Because it's real good. And, yeah. Because it's real good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that if there were Globes this year, it would be doing really well at the Globes. Mm-hmm. I, I think without them, you know, I don't think it's a, in a, it's an awards contender, but mm. um, it, it sure is a fun summer movie. Anthony Ramos should be a movie star. Maybe he will be now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good stuff. Really liked it. Uh, boom. I guess that's it. I'm going to see the Sparks Brothers documentary this week. I don't know if that's even on your radar. I don't know who they are or what that I is. I had never heard of them before, but they are apparently a weird pop group. And Edgar Wright, the filmmaker of Baby Driver and Scott Pilgrim and a couple other things, is has made a documentary about their career that apparently is a very inventive and interesting film in and of itself. So that's going to be my ticket this week. Well, I can't wait to hear about that from you. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I guess I don't have a great track record here of picking things that you should watch, but Riders of Justice, Mads Mikkelsen, it's a Danish movie. You got to read subtitles, but it's a very interesting movie. It's like a weird European response to like taken movies. It's like a dad revenge movie that goes in very unexpected directions and mulls things from perspectives that don't usually get considered in action movies well i'll probably watch i'll probably watch that i just need to find a time that i'm like awake and attentive enough to watch Mm -hmm. titles sure don't tell director bong (laughs) okay um all right dan did we do it did you, you didn't have anything else did you no i didn't have anything else all right 
Well, then I think that's been our podcast, and I think we've been Dan and Josh, and I think our music is by Jonah Rapino, and I think this is fun to talk about movies with you, Dan, my friend, and let's do it again next time. And I might actually remember to promote the show this time and tell people that it exists, so maybe they'll want to listen to it. Yeah, maybe. All right. Uh, okay. Thanks. Bye.